singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. Hey, it looks like someone riding after us. Stop! Stop! Whoa, Lance, whoa! What can we do for you, sir? My Lord's silver cup is missing. One of you must have stolen it. God forbid that we should do a thing like that. Well, it's gone, and you were the only strangers in the house. Uh, we're not thieves, sir. Search our sacks if you don't believe us. Yes, and if one of us has stolen the cup, let him die, and the rest of us will be your Lord's bondsmen. So be it. Open your sacks. Here, mine's already open. The rest of you, open your sacks, quickly. And I'll go right down the line, looking into each one. Well, it's not in this sack. Or this one. Not here. Not here. No, no. We told you none of us had taken the cup. But here it is, in this sack. Well, let's see now. You, uh, you're uh, Benjamin. Yes, he's Benjamin, but he didn't steal the cup. Well, here it is anyway. Come on, I'll have to take all of you back with me. But, oh, sir, no, we I can't possibly go back. So the brothers were taken back to the palace. And when they were brought into Joseph's presence, they fell on their knees before him. Joseph rebuked them, saying, Why did you repay my kindness with evil? Why did you steal my silver cup? What shall we say unto our Lord? How shall we clear ourselves? Plainly, we must become your bondsmen, we and Benjamin, with whom the cup was found. Only Benjamin shall be my servant. The rest of you go in peace back to your father. But my Lord, let your servant Judah, I pray, speak to you. When we returned to our homeland, after our first journey here, we told our father that we should not see your face again unless our brother Benjamin were with us. And our father said unto us, You know that my wife Rachel bore me two sons. Joseph, the first one, was torn into pieces by a lion, and I saw him not after. If you take Benjamin from me and mischief befall him, you shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now, therefore, when we return to our father, and the lad be not with us, it shall come to pass that our father will die. I pray you, my lord, let me, your servant Judah, remain here as a bondsman to you instead of the lad. And let the lad go home with his brothers, for I became surety for the lad unto my father. Then Joseph could not control his feelings before all those who stood by him, and he called out, Let every man except these Hebrews leave the room. And when he was alone with his brothers, Joseph wept aloud and cried out, I am Joseph. Come near to me, I pray you. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold as a slave into Egypt. Then his brothers were afraid and trembled as Joseph continued. Be not afraid nor angry with yourselves. 
For God has made good come out of this evil thing you did when you sold me into slavery. I've become a ruler in Egypt and lord of all the land. By this means, God has made me able to preserve life in the face of this terrible famine. Still the brothers were afraid and did not move. They listened in silence to Joseph's words. Yes, God sent me to Egypt so that I might save you and your families from starvation. For the famine shall ravage the land for yet five years more. Therefore make haste, go up to my father and tell him that I am yet alive. Bring him down into Egypt together with his children and his children's children and all that he has. Then Joseph took Benjamin in his arms and they wept for joy. And Joseph kissed all his brothers and wept with them. And Pharaoh heard that Joseph's brothers were come. And it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh sent for Joseph and said unto him, Say unto your brothers, Joseph, Take your beasts of burden and go, get you into the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your goods and come back to me. I will give you of the good of the land and you shall eat of the fat of the land. And Joseph's brothers did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and provisions for the way. And to his father Joseph sent ten animals laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So Joseph's brothers left Egypt and went back to Jacob, their father, in the land of Canaan. And Benjamin went with them. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the door. But where are the people? Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the door and see all the people. It was nice of your dad to offer to drive me home. No problem. As a matter of fact, now I can ask you a question about something that's been bugging me. Okay. Remember what the preacher at church said about praying last week? You mean about how we should pray without ceasing? Yeah, without ceasing. What's that mean? Well, ceasing means stopping, so I guess he's saying we should never stop praying. That's what I thought, but that's impossible. I mean, look at my dad. He's driving a car. If he closed his eyes and started praying without ceasing, we'd be in big trouble. And... How about pilots and airplanes or doctors right in the middle of a big operation? You don't see them always praying. Oh, Carlos, you don't stop what you're doing, kneel down and close your eyes to pray. You can just think a prayer while you're doing other stuff. Think a prayer? Yeah, like, let's say you're riding a bicycle and you look around and it's a really beautiful day. If you closed your eyes to pray, you'd probably run into a cow or something. So you just think, hey God, nice day, love the flowers. Or if I'm taking a test at school, for instance, a history test. Like the one we had today? Yeah. I can just think, hello, God, 
I thought I was ready for this test, but my brain is on vacation. So if you could just help me remember the answer to number 37, I'd really appreciate it. That's the idea. Praying without ceasing means being able to pray anytime, anywhere. And by the way, the answer was Napoleon. Napoleon! The Spanish guy. French. I think I need to pray more. Jesus wants to be our friend. He's interested in everything we do and longs to be included in our lives. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is One Friendly Voice. Ken stirred the bubbling cereal while Marianne kept whining, When's my cereal going to be ready, Kenny? In a minute, Marianne, what can I get for you, Mom? Ken looked at his mother, where she lay on the sofa. Her black eyes seemed too large for her small white face. It seemed unusual to have Mom so quiet. Most mornings, she was flying around getting breakfast and prodding pokey Marianne into hurrying so that she could take her to Grandma's on the way to work. Now Mom closed her eyes and said softly, Don't bother getting me anything now. I'll be hungry later. 
then she began coughing again. The doctor had called it severe bronchitis and said mom needed a rest. Ken set the cereal on the table and gave it a final stir. He squared his broad shoulders. Somehow he would have to help mom get well. His black eyes shone with determination. Come on, Marianne, let's eat. Then I'll have to get to school. You'll have to take care of mom while I'm gone. Sure, I can take care of her. Marianne chattered on while Ken thought about his problems. This evening, he would have to do some laundry. He had put on his last pair of clean jeans this morning. Mom just wasn't able to rinse the clothes and hang them outdoors. He'd give a lot for a clothes dryer like Dan Jenkins' mother had, but things hadn't been easy for them since Daddy died. Mother had a good job, but a secretary didn't earn enough for such luxuries as automatic washers and dryers. Ken really didn't mind doing laundry. It wasn't such hard work. What bothered him was that some of the boys might see him outdoors hanging up the clothes. He was sure they'd think he was a sissy. Ken knew that Dan Jenkins wouldn't be caught dead helping his mother. He sighed. If word got around that he was doing women's work, he wouldn't get very many votes when the boys chose the pitcher for their softball team. Maybe he could hang the clothes indoors. But no, there wasn't enough room. One short line in the bathroom wouldn't hold more than a few of Marianne's little dresses. Ken felt tired all day. He missed five problems in math, which was his favorite subject. He struck out three times when they played softball. By the middle of the afternoon, his head was drooping and his feet dragged. When he finally got home, Mom was still lying on the sofa trying not to cough. He took her, her medicine, and asked, Did you eat anything at all today, Mom? Oh, yes. Mom tried to smile and look bright. Marianne fixed me two pieces of toast, and I ate them both, didn't I, Marianne? Yes, she did, the little girl nodded, but I had to scold her pretty hard or she wouldn't have. Mom, you're not getting well fast enough. When do you go back to the doctor? Ken felt bowed down with cares. In a day or so, Mom said and closed her eyes again. Well, I'll have to do some laundry. All my jeans are dirty. Where's the soap, Mom? Oh, Ken, I wish you didn't have to. I should have sent the things out to the laundry. Ken wished he'd gone looking for the soap himself. This was just one more thing for Mom to worry about. Don't worry, Mom, he said. I'm sure I can do it. I used to help you last summer, remember? Mom smiled a little. Yes, I remember you never hung out the clothes. You always preferred staying in the basement with the washing machine. I'll have to hang up clothes tonight, Ken sighed again. Then, armed with the soap and carrying a big basket full of dirty laundry, he started to the basement. Marianne tagged along, offering all sorts of helpful advice. Don't put in too much soap, Kenny. Be sure the clothes are clean, Kenny. Until Ken felt like throwing a blanket over her head. The washing part wasn't too bad. Ken remembered this to sort the clothing, although he did absentmindedly throw a white t-shirt in with his blue jeans. It came out a dirty blue-gray. Then Ken was ready to hang out clothes. He picked up the heavy basket and slung the clothespin bag over his shoulder. Well, here goes, he thought. I hope all the neighbors are indoors watching television or something. But Ken knew the boys usually went by his house on their way to practice softball. He would have to miss practice this afternoon. Jim Carson had said he'd stop for him, but Ken had told him not to. Jim was one of the most popular boys around. Ken had hoped someday to claim him as a friend. At the clothesline, he picked up one of Marianne's dresses and pinned it firmly. He worked fast. Several times, he looked over his shoulder to see whether someone was watching. I feel like a thief, he realized guiltily. What have I got to be ashamed of? I'm only helping my mother. 
But these thoughts did not keep him from jumping when he heard Dan's sing-song voice. Well, if it isn't Mommy's little boy playing housewife. Ken kept on hanging up the clothes, but he felt a tight sickness inside his stomach. And turning to face Dan, he felt even worse. With Dan were most of the boys on the softball team. Some were grinning with scorn. Jim Carson stood in the background. Playing housewife, one of them giggled. Ken felt a hard knot of disappointment form inside. He would never be a pitcher for this softball team. He stood there for a moment with his head down while a few of the boys went on making insulting remarks. Then he finished hanging up the clothes and hurried back into the basement. How was he going to live for the next few weeks while Mother was ill? At the supper table, he tried to act cheerful. He thought he was putting up a pretty good front until Mom said, You look tired, Ken. Why not go to bed and rest? Maybe tomorrow will be brighter. Ken sighed. Maybe Mom was right. He went to bed and dreamed that he socked Dan in the jaw. In the dawn, he almost wished he really had. On the way to school, Jim Carson fell into step beside him. Ken kept his head down, waiting for Jim to tease him about yesterday. Jim cleared his throat. Mom told me that your mom is sick, he began. Ken nodded. He wished Jim would say what he wanted to and then leave him alone. Jim cleared his throat again. Ken looked up and saw that Jim's blue eyes were sober. It must be rough for you with your mom not able to work. Oh, it's not so bad, Ken's voice was gruff. Sympathy was the last thing he'd expected. I just wanted to tell you that you can bring your laundry to our house. Jim hurried on, talking so fast his words tumbled into each other. Mom said she'd help out until your mother is better. Then you'd have more time to practice, since you'll be our new pitcher. What? Had he heard correctly? The new pitcher? Ken couldn't help smiling. I'll tell my mother, he agreed. He walked faster. It would be nice to have someone else do the laundry, but right now he felt able to do anything by himself. Strange what one friendly voice could do to you. The story you've heard today was first published as part of the Vacation Bible School program in the book God's World by the Review and Herald Publishing Association and the General Conference Sabbath School Department. If you are interested in any other products published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. Rich in heaven, poor widow will get her reward.
Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.